of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. We are back with an interview episode. I feel like it's been like uh, two or three weeks since I've done one of these. I've been not good, like I, I said on my book club the other day. But we are back with an interview podcast here with Jason Ryan, the activities director at Papillion La Vista High School here in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, and we are going to talk about some stuff that we have not talked about here uh, on a pen and a napkin. Uh getting a job and going through the interview process and things to do uh, during that, amongst other things. So, uh, But before we get going, uh, we want to recognize our sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, which is located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, which is just off 144th here in Maple. I went there the other day. I, I was feeling sore. I hadn't been there for a while, and Dr. Kevin just, oh man, he, he got me good, and I have been awesome ever since. So, if you are looking for a, a chiropractor to help you or your athletes with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Uh, look them up at their on their uh, internet site, kosakchiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Follow us on Twitter at A Pen and a Napkin. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on A Pen and a Napkin, so be, uh, please be sure to follow us there. Uh, obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download, rate, and review this podcast. Give us five stars, subscribe, so that we can get the word out. We want to gain momentum, and we just want to help coaches hone their craft. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. On the line this morning, we have Jason Ryan, the Activities Director at Papillion La Vista High School. Uh, Coach, how are things in beautiful Ames, Iowa this morning? You know, it's uh, things are good. It's uh, we've got a full day of basketball ahead of us, and lots of teams from Omaha and players to watch. So, looking forward to it. There's some really, really uh, good teams from Minnesota and, and Iowa here as well. So, looking forward to watching some uh, talented girls today. Over under, how many teams actually followed the quarantine rules uh, as far as preparation? Uh, coming into this tournament because the first couple of teams I played the other day looked like the 86 Celtics when it came to execution. Yeah, I'm taking the the over of, of those teams not following the quarantine guidelines based on what I saw the last two days as well from an execution standpoint and number of sets and um, the high-fiving and, and a lot of those things. So um, it looked pretty outside of getting your temperature take, taken when you when you walked in. It looked pretty normal to me. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, a couple of the teams that we played uh, uh, looked like they were in midsummer mode in uh, in a usual summer. So, uh, okay. you know. But hey, all of our teams will get better, and and uh, we'll 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 figure it out as we move forward here. So, um, Jason, uh, you know, we we usually start. I usually give folks an, an opportunity to give us uh, their background. Uh, you know, what what was your uh, you know, uh, just just tell us about yourself for those folks that don't know uh, a whole lot about you and and how you ended up at Papillion La Vista High School. You bet. So I, I was born and raised in, in North Platte, Nebraska, um, three, four sport high school athlete um, growing up in, in uh, athletics and education was a very important part of my family. My mom was a teacher and just kind of engrossed in that uh, education setting. Uh, went to Doan College at the time and, and actually played football there for a couple of years. Um, I'll, I'll use the term played loosely. I was a part of the team for a couple of years. You had a uniform? I did. I yeah. did. Mm-hmm. was on the, uh, the scout squad and practice squad and uh, 
really enjoyed it and, and kind of battled some injuries. So after a couple of years, I gave it up. And um, before that, I, I uh, started volunteering and coaching at Crete High um, with their boys basketball program and, and, and got introduced to a couple of different people in town there and started coaching some youth basketball in the Crete youth organization. And that's where I started to, to kind of cut my teeth and, and uh, kind of got that basketball fix. So did that for three years uh, as I finished my degree at Dome. I got hired right away out of uh, um, at Papillion La Vista as a special education teacher and, um, and assistant baseball and assistant basketball coach there and spent four years at Monarch High. Actually, I volunteered for the first two years. Um, Kevin Albers was our head coach, and, and I volunteered with the reserve program, JV program, helped with the varsity, and kind of was an unofficial varsity assistant for a couple of years. Um, coach Albers stepped aside, and, and there was a coaching change, and um, Clint Holscher was hired, and Clint hired me as his JV coach. I was a JV coach for a couple of years. Um, really wasn't looking to leave, and, and I kind of looked at a couple different spots, but um, Bellevue East had a late opening uh, in June mm-hmm. um, of, two, of the summer of 2001, and uh, with the dean of students job attached to it, I was working on my admin degree at the time and thought, hey, maybe this would be a good fit. And, you know, everything's about timing and, and uh, long story short, was hired um, late June of 2001 to be the head boys basketball coach and dean of students at uh, Bellevue East. So um, I spent the next 10 years at Bellevue East uh, coaching as the head boys coach there and, and dean of students. Um, you know, looked at a couple different things administratively and, and did, really wasn't ready to give up the coaching and, and so continued to stick with it. And, um Decided, uh, you know, I got a phone call from a couple of admin folks in Papillion uh, Vista and had the opportunity to come back to Monarch High as mm-hmm. their head boys basketball coach. And um, I really wanted uh, to be in a uh, school where my kids were going to go. We lived in the area, and, and that's where uh, my daughters have, have gone to school and, and will continue to go. And so uh, it was attractive to go back there, and, and I got hired there in 2011. And I uh, was kind of expecting to, to coach there for quite some time. And um, the athletic director that hired me, uh, I, I was anticipating him retiring at age 62. And he decided to retire at 55. So <laughs> um, after two years uh, as the head coach there, um, you know, I had, you know, it's a question. Do I want to dive into this admin world full time or continue to coach? And had lots of conversations and ultimately decided to make that jump. So mm-hmm. Uh, I just finished my seventh year as the activities director at the Pune Vista High, and, and uh, here we are. Yeah. So, it sounds like you were pretty legitimately torn about uh, you know leaving coaching. Yeah, you know, I, and, and uh, I, those of us that have done it, and, and I, I know you can relate. It's I don't think you're ever done coaching, um, and uh, you know, at some time, at some day, and some fashion I'll definitely get back into it and uh, I still dabble in it a little bit uh, and still now with some AU stuff and, and some coaching youth and um, helping some college programs here and there with bits and pieces of some things but yeah it, it was you know but at the same time I knew this athletic director position if um, you know whoever that might be if I didn't take it uh, that person could be there for 20 years and uh-huh. I thought you know what let's Let's see what this looks like, and and it, I've always thought in the back of my mind someday somehow being an AD was something that I, I would enjoy and something that I, I thought uh, would fit my strengths. So I decided to make that jump. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what do you miss most about being a, a, 
a high school coach, a high school head coach having your own program? Yeah, you know, somebody just asked me this yesterday or Thursday down here in Ames, and it was Ron Dostler asked me. We were having a conversation. He said, what do you miss most about it? And obviously there's lots of things. But the, the number one thing, obviously, you, you know, you hear about the relationships and the relationships with your kids and, and your coaching staff. Um, but to me, it's, it's that journey every year, how different it is. The thing I really like about high school coaching is um, you can have a system and philosophy, but you really do adapt to your personnel. And you might run a really high-powered transition offense one year, and then the next year you're, you're going to uh, have a little bit more structured and, and, uh, and run more sets type of thing. You, know, you may press one year, and you may um, try to increase tempo, and then and the next year you may zone press to try to dictate tempo that way. So just that journey of, okay, March ends, and then you kind of get back going in April and May, and you start planning your summer, and, and just that process and growth process from year to year in the unknowns, that and who, who's going to step up? What roles are kids going to have? And that just that overall year to year experience is, is really the most that I miss. I, I miss that journey uh, from start to finish. I think that was the thing I missed the most too in my couple of years out. Just seeing seeing your team grow um, and and uh, okay what do we look like on November 15th compared to what do we look like on December 15th and so forth and so on down the line. You know, I, 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 yeah, I think we're, we're both in line on that. Um, what was, what was good about transitioning into administration and what was, uh, not as good. How about we use that phrase? Not as good, uh, transitioning into, into admin, you know, uh, coming into it fresh, uh, from being a head coach for a long time. You bet. So, you know, at, back to my time at Bellevue East, you know, I was a dean of students and, and did a lot of, you know, kind of assistant AD work with site supervising and, and, and getting workers and some of those things. So I think from that standpoint, I, I had a, a pretty good view from that lens of, of what a lot of things look like. Um, dealing with parents, uh, I think I was ready for that. Um one of the challenges is, you know, I, I was a head coach for two years at Papillion, and, and, you know, so you're working collaboratively with your coaches, and you're trying to build that total sports program, and, and, and now you become, you know, a quote-unquote their boss, per se. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't micromanage people and, and, and lead with fear or anything like that, but sometimes some of those relationships um, change just a little bit, you know, when, when – uh, you have to make some tough decisions and maybe give an answer that they don't want to hear, and um, just trying to, uh, you know, having to, to draw that line of where those boundaries are, you know, um, with your your coaching friends that you coach with, and you're sweating sweating in the weight room for summer work, and you're working side by side with the football coach, and, um, and so that 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 transition, you know, is. Um, Do you, do, you, uh, do you think that would have been easier if you'd have gone to a different school to be an activities director? You know, potentially. In that regard. Yeah, you know, potentially, you know, uh, you know going to an outside school, if, 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 you know, if they interviewed somebody that from in-house that didn't get it, you know, they, that could, that could uh, I think there's pros and cons, you know, yeah. things could work against you. And, and I had a ton of support from the coaches uh, when I interviewed and when I put in for it, so... I felt good from that standpoint, but uh, it's natural, you know. Uh, obviously, you don't try to, you know. It's 
you, you don't try to have an ego involved and, and, and make decisions ultimately what's best for kids. And, um, uh-huh. you know, sometimes you have to have those fierce conversations to, that, are, that aren't comfortable for anybody, but in order for growth, those things have to occur from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you wish that, I'm going to just read this question word for word here. What do you wish your coaches knew about your job that they don't know about your job? Uh, that you can yeah. say legally on the on the public airwaves. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, as we've gone through uh, this pandemic here recently, and 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 uh, just from a financial standpoint, uh, you know, I we, we obviously we have budgets that we work within and so forth, but uh, I. I I guess, you know, just the, you know, the, some of the things and reg- rules and regulations that I have to follow from a central office standpoint, I mean, there's a, there's a top down, obviously mm-hmm. I've got to report to my boss, like my, my principal, I've, he's got to report to central office. Um, a lot of things that we might want to happen are out of my control. And I think they know that, but, uh, we, we do certain, certain things based on our board of education or our superintendent. Um, and, uh, Ultimately, you know, we, we try to do what's best for kids, but a lot of times there's some decisions that are out of my control. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so that, that's probably the biggest thing. They're out of your control, but you can't say that they're out of your control? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, to, to be PC, you know, and, uh, and uh, we've, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, there's politics involved. You know, the uh, guy from Minnesota wrote that politics of coaching um his name slips me right now. Oh, but, uh, yep. Yep. Um, I know, I know exactly what book you're talking yeah, about. It's a great uh, book. Yeah. Yeah. We, and I actually had him come out and spoke, um, speak to our coaches about seven years ago. And, and, and there's politics with admin as well. So, yeah. um, you got to continue to work hard. And, and if things don't turn out your way, yeah, yeah, you do the best next thing. And, and much like coaching and, and, and you move forward. So I know it's been seven years, but, you know, what were some things that, uh, that guy, we'll call him that guy. I can't remember his name. I'll, I'll look it up real quick, uh, while you're yeah. talking about it, uh, because it is a great book. I'm going to put this out here for our listeners. Uh, but, but, uh, what all went into his presentation? What did he talk about with you guys? Yeah, he, he was great, you know, and, and I think the, one of the things that stood out to me and kind of the old school approach was with parents, you know, you, you put up a wall, you put up a barrier and you, and you you know they're not they're not involved they're not a part of the program and so forth and he kind of took the other the, the opposite approach hey you know parents are they're best in their kids they 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 obviously want what's best for their kids and so try to use those parents and get them involved and and uh and and speak to them and if, if they have a question i mean he had protocols you know obviously if the, if the kid has issue of playing time, go visit with the coach, this and that. But a lot of times that old school way is, oh, we're not talking to parents. We're not talking to parents. We're not talking to parents. And his approach was, you know, bring them in and, and, and be completely honest with them. Um, and so that's hard for coaches to do. That's hard for anybody to do is, is to tell, tell, you know, John and dad, hey, you know, this is, your son's not, 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 gonna, not ever going to be a starter in this. So having those conversations and those honest and fierce conversations are, are something that he really stressed. And, and uh, I just remember Carl Pearson is the, the guy that wrote that book yep. and, and uh, just kind of a survival guy to keep coaches from, from getting burned. And um, so that, that is something that we've really tried to do. And, you know, our, I tell 
my coaches and our parents, my doors are, they're always open. Now, um, some people might think that's a red flag where parents are going to come in all the time and complain and complain and complain. And, and that, that's not our, not our mantra. You know, we're, we're, we're there to give honest feedback and, and have conversations. How, how do we get past this? How do we improve? How do we get better? Um, what does your son or daughter need to, to, to work on that type of thing? And, and sometimes parents aren't going to like what we have to say, but that having those fierce, honest conversations and instead of beating around the bush and, and giving them false hope, um, and uh, so that's something that we really strive and pride ourselves on is is having those conversations and not putting up walls and, and barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's the name of the book, The Politics of Coaching, A Survival Guide to Keep Coaches from Getting Burned by Carl J. Pearson. And if you haven't read it, it is it is a really, really good book. And it, it, it helped uh, me in, in my constant... Uh, uh, development of, of my philosophy, which everybody should be doing every day. You should be working on your philosophy and how to add or subtract to it. Uh, you know, just he, he brought up some angles of things that you never really thought about. Don't you think JR? Yeah, absolutely. He, de- he definitely, it, it caused for some serious reflection and, and uh, he was very blunt and honest and, and gave some great examples of some things that, um, went very well for him and, and, and didn't go so well and, and, how, and how you do things differently moving forward so um yeah it, he was outstanding and and uh you know it's whether you agree with everything he says it definitely it put, puts you in position to reflect and, and gave you a, an opportunity to grow mm-hmm. okay um so one of the things i want to talk about with you and and we've we've talked a ton and 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 i know you've listened to a lot of the pods that that i've done here and thank you for that. Uh, uh, but uh, we have not we, we've talked all this stuff about coaching and what to do when you're a coach. But in you know something that I haven't done a very good job of is well, how do I get a job as a coach and what, what should I be doing and and that type of thing. So one of the things I want to talk about with you this morning was uh, just the process of of hiring and and some do's and some don'ts. And and things like that. So I want to take it from this angle. You, you, you talked about your situation, my situation. You know, my situation was kind of like yours, moved up internally, uh, that type of thing. Uh, but let's go out from it from an angle where uh, you've got a, a head coaching position opened at at Papillion La Vista, and and obviously this is a basketball podcast. Uh, but but any coaching position in general. Um, and you don't have an eternal candidate, let's say. So you're you're opening this up to whomever maybe you, you don't have anybody in mind, you don't have an internal candidate, so forth and so on. Uh, let's start with the the blind resume uh, that that you get uh, on your desk or or in your file now these days. Uh, what are some things that you look for or that you've talked to other activities directors? that you guys are looking for in a resume just to get your foot in the door, to have somebody consider your resume? You bet. Well, yeah, great question and great points. And, you know, we've had over, and, and as you know, hiring coaches, finding coaches is getting tougher and tougher. Um, and uh, one of the things, and, and then I'll answer the question, is one of the, my focuses moving forward here in the next couple of years is really trying to develop any of our assistant coaches that want to be head coaches. Um, 
to kind of to train our own and grow our own. And, and that's something that I'm going to use some of our current head coaches that are have different strengths, whether it's communication or interviewing or game planning and kind of do some mini webinars for some of our assistants that, that want to become head coaches because I think that training is invaluable. Um, Anyways, back to your question. I got on a little tangent there. But, That's all right. Tangents uh, are okay on a pen and a napkin. <laughs> the, uh, the, as far as the resume, you know, we have our, our talent ed um, where, where obviously people apply for all sorts of teaching jobs and coaching jobs and so forth. But I think the first thing that really helps is, is when that resume, one, either gets on your desk if, if that candidate is able to drive it to, to you and give it to your secretary or actually give it to you so you can put a name with a face – or when they do officially apply, if they, sh- if they shoot you a note in an email, hey, hey, Jason, this is so-and-so. It's so I'm like, no, I officially applied for the Pittsburgh basketball job. I look forward to talking to you and so forth. So you can say, okay, I've got this email. Now I can go into our, our uh, talent ed system and, and, and take another closer look. Mm-hmm. Um, just that, that follow-up piece. You know, I think a lot of coaches will apply and leave it at that mm-hmm. and think, oh, they'll go through it. They'll go through it. You know, and some of these jobs – um, a lot of them, you'll you'll get you know twenty you know applications maybe, and you'll you'll skim through it quick, and you're just looking for oh I know that person, yep, yeah, this guy's got a a reference that I can call. I know that person, and it goes back to you hear it all the time. It's not it's not uh, what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say that reference piece and networking piece for me is number one, and and. If I don't know somebody on the reference list, but I know somebody from this particular school, I'll call that person first and say, okay, tell me about so-and-so. Um, tell me your experiences. Um, what do you think? Can this person handle this job? Is this somebody I should bring in? Um, so I, I, that, that resume is good, and obviously, and for getting my attention, but I wouldn't say anything particular on a resume that stands out. I've, I've always been the believer that, you know, those folks that have portfolios and fancy resumes, I'm like, that. that's great, you know, with the style standpoint, but I, I want substance. So for me personally, it, it's more about the people piece mm-hmm. of it, and the relationship and that network. And, and, and that's why it's so, so important to build that network. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I remember when I got my first teaching job, um, 1997, February of 97, I'm interviewing, answering questions. And, and one of the, one of the, uh, people at the interview said, Hey, do you know, Chuck Francis, Chuck Francis at the time was, was the Legion baseball coach in AD at Columbus high. And Chuck was one of my Legion coaches at North Platte. He said, if I called Chuck Francis today, what would Chuck say about you? And, and I read a lots of things I thought he might say about me, but again, Chuck hadn't, Chuck hadn't, uh, he, he knew who I was, knew my family. Um, so those, that's just an example. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, those, those networks and, and who you know, and uh, it, it goes with that, that network stretches wide. So I, that's really big for me. What are what are some ways uh, to to build that network? Let's say you're starting at net zero, and and you want to get into this, but you're not really, you know, where do you, where do you start building that network at? Yeah, well, well, there's so many opportunities, whether it's, it's working summer camps, it's volunteering. If you don't have a job, uh, going to other sports programs, you know, if you want to be a basketball coach and maybe you're just the freshman coach at Papillion La Vista, you know, we encourage our coaches to go to, to go to other practices in the fall and spring. If I'm a winter coach and, and, and watch practices, try to pick up a nugget or two, um, to support those programs. 
you know, if, if so-and-so, let's say our freshman coach applies for a head basketball job at a Class B school in the area, that football coach might call our football coach and say, hey, tell me about so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And if, if you get a strong recommendation from a football coach and you want to coach basketball, maybe that coach goes into the athletic director and say, hey, I've heard good things there. Mm-hmm. Um, going to joining associations, whether it's Nebraska Coaches Association, the Metro Basketball Coaches Association, um, almost every sport um, has uh, some type of coaching um, network and, and organization. So I think it's very important to get involved in that. Um, going to see college practices, connecting with college coaches, um, to go into practices, um, introducing yourself, taking notes, um, lots of ways from that standpoint. Then, then ultimately, um, you know, you, you hear about, uh, you know, doing a great job of where you're at, you know, and make it the best, your job, the, the big time mm-hmm. where you're at. So if I'm the freshman coach and, you know, I, or JV coach, that's, that's a big time job and you act like that's the best job on earth. And uh, I think those things, uh, Mm-hmm. What what are uh, and I think you've kind of uh, addressed this. Um, are there any other things that that can pop out at you uh, in between the application process and you're looking to uh, you know you're 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 you've you've advertised the job but you're not interviewing yet. Is is there anything else that anybody can do on top of of what you've said already? Um, is there is there some things not to do in that time period? You know, um, but yeah, that's a good question. But, you know, a lot of a lot of times you'll get phone calls from um, different coaches or big time coaches, for example. Maybe you work for uh, Dane Alvin and Dane Alvin will call you and, and and give a good reference. And some of that's good, but some of that can can backfire. Mm-hmm. You know, we had if you do too much of that or have too many people call. And, and, and then that, that can turn some people off, you know, um, that's, uh, you know, I've seen that happen before where you just got get bombarded by phone calls and, Hey, this guy's great. Or this guy, Oh, you can't sign up, blah, 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 blah. And, and you get about 20 or 30 calls and that, and to some extent that might, that might turn some people off. So I think there has to be a balance there. Yeah. Um, the, the follow-up emails of, Hey, um, just, you know, I know you received my resume. I just want to touch base and see where you're at with the process. Very interested in learning more about your, uh, your you know, your school and, and your athletic program, that type of thing, whether that's an email or a phone call. I think those things uh, go a long ways. Um, every once in a while, you might, after you apply, maybe you get a, uh, an email of, okay, here, just so you know, here's my philosophy of team building. There's some things that I've done with my team and maybe send some examples. Mm-hmm. Um, little things like that, I think, can, can potentially set you apart. Again, you don't want to bombard and send emails every day or send a 50-page document, but I think some little <laughs> snippets of some things can, can set you apart. If you're trying to decide, maybe you're only going to bring in three. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times my principal will say, okay, I want you to interview four for this job, and, and, and you have to interview this kid, or you have to interview this internal candidate. So you're trying to, to decide between three, and so then it becomes comes down to fit. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what teaching openings do you have, um, experiences. Uh, that head coaching, if you're trying to hire a head coach for a, one of your major sports per se, um, having some some type of head coaching experience I think is, is invaluable. Having some experience working with youth programs and feeder programs and, and is invaluable as well. Those are some things that we really look for. 
uh, being a being a coach that's willing to coach multi-sports or has some experience um, for our school uh, promoting and, and um, embracing that multi-sport philosophy is second to none that for us to be successful that's something that we really pride ourselves and encourage our kids and athletes so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call when we check references and say okay you know it's a red flag if they say yeah this he wants his kids to specialize. He doesn't support, support spring sports. He doesn't want his kids going out for track. He just wants them to play AAU basketball type of thing. That that would be a red flag for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we really try to do our homework and, and uh, do our due diligence before we bring in people. What, uh, what are some things, what are some questions that coaches should prepare themselves for? So let's say Marty Plum out of nowhere, you don't know me, I don't know you, uh, I'm coming in, and uh, I've, I've never interviewed for a head coaching job before, let's say, okay? okay. So what are some things that, that you are looking for specifically? Uh, what are some questions you're going to ask that are really important to you? You kind of went through that a little bit there uh, with uh, support of multi-sport athletes and, and, and things like that. But what are what are what's anything else that you're going to ask about that? Okay, I got to have a, a, a probably have a certain answer a certain way on this topic or this question uh, for this guy to really fit in at Papillion Vista, guy or gal. Right. So for us, um, uh, the strength and conditioning piece, background with strength and conditioning, um, your your value or belief in the strength and conditioning program would would be probably one of our top five youth development. What will, what will your feeder system look like? How are you going to engage the youth? We're a school that's closed and Papillion Vista community schools is a closed district. So we really talk about um, staying home and keeping our kids. And we've got to recruit our own kids. We lose kids to, to different school districts that are open for, you know, coaches come in and parents come in and Hey, why don't you come here? Look at these facilities or look at this team. And, and so what are you going to do to keep and retain and engage our own kids in our district in, in Papillion and the Vista? So that philosophy, um, the skill development menu, um, skill development plan, what does that look like? How are you going to improve skill development? What is that going to look like preseason, in season, off season? Um, recruiting um, those, those athletes that want to get to the next level. What, what connections do you have? What, what, what processes that will you have in place to, to help those student-athletes that want to uh, continue to compete at the collegiate level? Um, that'll be a piece of it. What leadership um, development pieces and processes do you have in your program? What will that look like if you're hired as our head girls basketball coach? Um, so you talk about the leadership, you talk about strength and conditioning, recruiting um, um, our own kids and those that want to play, um, what, what uh, talk about putting together a coaching staff? What will what will that look like? Um, what will you look for in assistant coaches? How will you organize your coaching staff? Um, and you know, I talked about the multi sports and, and what what will you do to support other programs? And then ultimately, you, kind of your just your overall standards of your program. What are your gold standards for your program academically, athletically? Um, some of those benchmarks that he or she will want to have in their program. Mm-hmm. So you've hired, you know, Joe or Julie Doe, uh, Joe or Jane Doe, uh, to, to, to replace Metro Coach of the Year Josh Siski uh, from, 
the girls basketball program uh i don't know 40 or 50 years from now you'll probably both still be working there so right right. um what uh what are you going to really look at and evaluate your coaches on now? Okay. I've got the job. Uh, now what are you, uh, now that you've hired this person, I know probably different sports are, are slightly different in their evaluation, uh, based on the circumstances of the sport and, and where they're at, uh, per se, uh, for, in a, in a variety of ways. But what, What's your overall uh, evaluation process going to be? What are you looking for to make sure that this coach continues to uh, be the person that you want them to be at Papillion La Vista? You bet, yeah. And great question. And in in that evaluation piece, you know, I meet with our coaches before the season um, and ask them what what are some of their goals, what should I be looking at, Um, that type of thing. And, And we have conversations during the season, and then ultimately we sit down um, after and, and and again, it's it's quote unquote a formal observation. But at the end of the day, I, my my goal is to have is to communicate communicate throughout the season, throughout the year. So it, it's not a sit down at the end of the year, and it, it, it doesn't seem real formal. It's more of a kind of informal type conversation. But some of the things we we talk about and we look for is that engagement piece. Number one, um, what 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 is it, what are the engagement levels look like for your athletes? What are our numbers? Are, are we losing kids or are we keeping and retaining kids? That's a big uh, benchmark for us and something that we look at. Um, developing, obviously, is, are our kids, uh, when they start as freshmen and, and how they end up, you know, certain sports, whether it's cross country or swimming and um, that type of thing, are, are, are they developing? Are they improving? Um, our coaches' commitment and involvement um, with our strength and conditioning piece. Um, what, what does that look like? What is their involvement there? We always ask that all of our programs um, take part in some type of community service project. So we'll reflect on that. Um, what did that look like? Um, what did our kids gain? Um, what, what are we thinking about doing next year? Um, those academic checks, those parent meetings and conversations, you know, obviously the wins and losses, you know, we want to be competitive um, we just kind of went through our mission and vision and our, our pillars process with some of our head coaches recently. And, you know, we, we, we want to be as competitive and strive for state championships. But at the end of the day, um, that's not, not always going to tell us if we're successful or not. So mm-hmm. um, are our kids finishing um, their programs in good standing? Are they representing our school, our community when they compete um, in outstanding fashion? So those are some of the things that we, we talk about and, and look at and, um, obviously we talk, we, we do look at the bottom line and, and reflect on that and, and, uh, and always say, okay, I always ask my coaches, okay, what is something you want to start and do differently next year? What, what is something, um, that you want to try? Uh, what is something that happened this year that you want to stop? We, we do go through that start, start, stop, continue process. And, and I love getting feedback from them. And so I can kind of sit back and watch. And, and of course I always ask, how can I help? But that, you know, the benchmark, the engagement level, the re- retention, the improvement, the strength and conditioning, the getting involved in the community, um, youth programs, you know, that's something if, if we have coaches that aren't, aren't doing anything with our youth, then, then we're going to have to, we're going to have to make a change and say, okay, but how can we, you know, and it's going to look different for every sports program yeah. and, and some yeah. are more involved, but we, we've got to be active with our youth. And so those are some of the, the benchmarks and, 
um, bullets that I look for with our coaches from an evaluation standpoint. Is it is it hard sometimes with your coaches if they're not being as successful in the wins and losses to help them see that they are doing a good job? It, it is because it, it, again, you talk about a big Class A school and and uh, in the metro area, and, and, and you hear it, you you know, parents, the, the expectations for coaching. I mean, and it's almost year round for every sport. You know, it's just not your major sports. You know, our, our, our track and field athletes, our golfers, our, you name it. They're there to be at a high level. They're they're committing 10, 11, 12 months out of the year. And and when you're getting a coaching stipend of four or five thousand dollars and 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 you're also teaching and raising the family and um, that that pressure can get to you. So absolutely. And, and that's why I try not to to really focus in on the wins and losses with our coaches and and. Uh, and support them, you know, and especially recognizing if, if 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 we have a team or a program that's maybe struggling from a, uh, a wins and losses or a, a competitive standpoint, that you know, I'll send them a note or stop by their classroom just to you know continue to thank them and and uh, for their efforts and their commitment to our school. And uh, because we're going to have programs that are going to be good for three or four years, and then we're going to trend down for three or four. That's just the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, with the cycle of kids and that type of thing. But yeah, it's sometimes you got to remind them and, 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 and tell them and remind them of all the things they're doing for kids and just the platform they have to impact kids on a daily basis. You know, we talk all the time about sports being the other half of education, much like the NSA says, and it, it truly is, you know, the impact and platform they have to, to, to uh, work with kids and, and the lessons learned is, is second to none. So, um, it, it, there's definitely a balance there. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the the greatest challenges for the future of high school coaches? What what are uh, and I think you know some of them are are probably pretty common across the board. But uh, now you're you're uh, we'll call it I'm going to use air quotes here experienced <laughs> as an activities director. <laughs> You know, sharks with lasers on them. Um, uh, but uh, what what are the greatest challenges that you see in the next three to five years for high school coaches? Yeah, and, and I think we're seeing it, and we have seen it. But it, it's that specialization, the the uh, specialist coach. You know, I've got a hitting coach, or I've got my own throws coach, <laughs> or I've got um, you know, I, I my high jump coach, and so. Working, you know, trying to find a balance with that, and you know, parents are, are spending lots of dollars, and 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 there's a lot of group, really good specialized specialized coaches out there. Excuse me, can't can't talk right now. There, there's there's that Doan College pedigree right there. <laughs> yeah, as as yeah. a Briarcliff guy, I could say that. So yeah, I probably couldn't got probably wouldn't have got into the university, but thank God it was college <laughs> back then. But you and me both, brother. That 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 twenty two ACT carried me a long ways. Amen, amen. So, but balancing that, you know, again, it goes back to um, putting up barriers, and and we have we have lots of athletes that we have our own strength and conditioning coach now, and this is moving into year two for our school, and we feel really good about that. But a lot of our athletes, they'll go to um, different places and have their own strength coach. So working together there. Um, and not saying, no, you can't, you, you can't do that. It's either our way or the highway type of thing. Um, so I, I think that's, again, it's almost like your own individual 
sports plan for each kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then being flexible and, and um, obviously when it comes to your team and program, you're going to have to have some expectations and some guidelines and some standards, but um, parents are, that that's kind of the, the, uh, the way of the world right now with, with a lot of our kids and a lot of their sports, you know, I might have my own tennis hitting coach. And so you're working with that coach and, and as you put a plan together and a lot of that individualized um, planning for, for uh, some of your kids. And um, you have to embrace that. I think if you put, if you put walls up and, um, and, and, and push back, uh, you might lose kids. And, and this doesn't mean we're going to give in to kids and parents, but I think there's got to be a communication plan and, and sit down on the table and say, okay, what, what, what will work and what won't work and, and come to a consensus there. But I think that's the biggest challenge. Also the, you know, a lot of, a lot of states are moving towards the pay to play, um, per sport, you know, Minnesota, for example, if you play football, you might have to pay three to $400. If you play basketball, you might have to pay a hundred dollars per se. And so I think that's probably going to happen, um, sooner than later, in my opinion. Um, and so the, the value can, can, can you go into can you go into that a little bit? I have not heard about that uh, personally. Yeah. Um, so w- what's going on with that? What's the purpose for it? What's 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 the yeah? yeah go into it because I have not heard so, anything about that. So for example, for us, we charge a one-time athletic fee. If you're going to be involved in athletics, you got to purchase an activity ticket, mm-hmm. and that, that athletic ticket fee that's one of our bigger revenue sources um, for our athletic department, and so uh, which helps you know, maintain our budget and that type of thing. So a lot of sports though, or a lot of states, excuse me, will, will make athletes pay per season per sport. So as a football player, for example, they'll, they'll take the, the cost of a helmet, shoulder pads, pants. Um, what, what, what will the transportation cost be for the year? They'll take it um, in the estimate number of kids. If there's a hundred kids out for football, it's going to cost, 40,000 for football, they'll do the math and say, okay, you've got to pay, play football for X high school, it's going to be $400, all right? Then you go to the, the winner. If I want to be a basketball player, okay, this is your anticipated budget. This is how many kids. You're going to have 40 pro- kids in your program. It might cost $4,000, so each kid's got to pay 100 bucks to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so to because of budgets being tighter and tighter and the financial situations, and a lot of schools don't receive any support from your, your district office from an athletic standpoint. So this is a way to fund their programs or they can't survive. Um, and so I think that's, we've talked casually about it um, in our district, but I think, because um, a lot of our sports don't generate any, any revenue. Yeah. You know, we're just, we're just yeah. like the colleges where we rely on our major sports, our football, our girls and boys basketball, um, our volleyball programs, those are some of our programs that traditionally make money. And, and that's why it's so, so important for us to have a strong football program. And uh, I never thought before I became an AD, um, you know, I'd show up to a game or if it was raining. But I watch the weather report all the time now, especially for Friday nights. Uh-huh. And because if it's going to rain or if your game's on TV or if it's going to be really cold, that's going to hurt our bottom line on Friday night with fans in the stands. And uh, that's why a lot of us are really, really worried um, for a lot of different reasons with the COVID-19 situation. So many unknowns. Are we going to have fans? Um, we, we really rely on, on football to, and I'm getting off tangent here, but. No, you're just, really, you're just stealing a question for later on, but that's cool. Go ahead. Yeah. We really rely on, on football to help support um, most of our sports throughout the year. And, um, you know, 
process when those schedules come out and you're looking at okay man we're going to host uh, omaha west side or uh, we're going to host Creighton prep um our game with papio south for both schools we split the gate um when we play them on, in football on friday nights and, and we split concessions so for each of us for example i mean that's a 10 to fifteen thousand dollar night mm-hmm. um and so that that's a must-have and we, we you know we always hope for great weather that type of thing and um some ad's are, are leery to put um their games on tv you know the the thursday night game of the yeah. week and friday night and because of that uh, and and where others think it's a great marketing tool and, and to have your team on on, on friday nights is a, is a is a really good thing from a, a recruiting and a marketing standpoint so um there, you know you gotta there's pros and cons and philosophies there but um that's that budget piece and 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 uh you know that pay pay to play um is pretty prevalent in quite a few states you know nebraska it hasn't hit hit nebraska yet but my guess is 10 years from now that that could be something that our state moves towards or school districts in our state move towards so you're you're you uh i never knew that you and bill moose had so much in common you know with your jobs (laughs) you know Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Are, so, are are you to put up a sign for like a sellout streak there at Papio La Vista? You know, if we if we can get, uh, probably not. But uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, you know, but you know, you talk about that with your advertising and the the big. We've got probably the biggest um, outdoor scoreboard um, at Foundation Field, mm-hmm. um, and, and you talk about videos and, and and the highlight videos and kind of your Husker vision. We have mm-hmm. PLB Media Academy. Yep. That's uh, in, uh, in in all those advertisers, you know, in, in the um, our static ads and, and putting that together. I mean, that fundraising piece. So the yeah, back to back to weather fundraising. I mean, those are things I'm thinking as an AD man. I, I really didn't know the extent of those things. And in some of our bigger schools in Omaha, I mean, you're kind of like a small college where oh yeah, you're, absolutely. You're, con- you're connecting with donors and, and you're you're setting up meetings with advertisers and. Um, all that type of thing. So um, it's a lot of people think you're you're, you're going to games and, and cheering on and, and going home, and there's a lot more to it, as you know. Hey, I, I've I've taught at Catholic schools for over 20 years. I know exactly what you're talking about there. Now, I mean, you know, in a in a in a parochial school, it's just tuition driven because we, you know, we have to raise every cent that we have. We don't have any state money coming in, you know, but but. I know exactly what you're talking about there when you're talking to, to, to donors and to boosters and and you are thinking of ways to uh, heighten your profile and and things like that. Um, I, I'm just stunned. Uh, you, you've brought up the word recruiting two or three times here. I'm, I'm stunned that you that anybody would be concerned about any recruiting in the Omaha metro area. I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm floored right now, Jr. Yeah, you believe that, and again, we we, we, we kind of uh, we, we talk all the time about keeping our kids home. You know, it's great to be home, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's kind of a uh, we've got to do a better job to get in front of our elementary parents, and, and that's kind of the biggest change too. Is uh, um, those elementary parents? You know, we if it's seventh and eighth grade, it's too late. So mm-hmm. we're, we're really trying to put some plans and some action steps involved um, with our community and our district and our our side of it, the monarch side. Um, to connect with our elementary feeder programs a little bit better and, and a little bit sooner um, than later because, you know, they, they get linked into a club team that uh, maybe they play volleyball with four other kids that go to a different school. And next thing you know, and mostly it's not that, you know, and some coaches get a bad rap 
at the end of the day, it's most of the time with the recruiting piece, it's kids recruiting kids and parents recruiting parents and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that really is 90% of it. So uh, we just have to do a better job in our particular situation of identifying our own kids, keeping them home, and, and kind of get that message out. It's great to stay home. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're going to do moving forward here, um, starting with the 2021 school year. How much has your – what's the two or three biggest changes that you've seen? You've been there seven years as an AD going into your eighth, um, if I'm doing the math correctly. That's why I teach yes. history if I'm off. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what's the two or three biggest changes uh, in those seven years that, that you've seen? Yeah, I, I think – um, one is finding coaches, finding assistant coaches. Um, even, you know, I've hired head, head during my time here, head football, head volleyball, head girls, basketball, um, some pretty big jobs, head wrestling. And you'd think a, a big school like us, strong athletic tradition, a great suburban community that we would, we would have applicants after applicant after applicant. And that has not been the case. What do you think and, it is? You know, I think, you know, and, and, and it's just not um, true to us. You know, you look at in talking to some of the other ADs, and it used to be a lot. I, I think the finance financial piece of people moving and and, and disrupting their family. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, it used to be maybe I'm a, I'm a class C1 coach. I want to move to B, then I want to move to A. You don't see that happen as much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of it. I think the pressure. Um, that, that, uh, oh, you know, of, oh, I'm going to be a class A coach. If I don't get it done in three to five years, I'm going to be out of a job. I think some people shy away from that and, and, and that pressure in, in the, of, of, of that job from a class A setting, I, the 12 months a year where you're running a program, not only your high school program, but your youth program mm-hmm. to 10 to 11, 12 months of the year. So I think the demands um, of the jobs ha- has definitely changed, and it was changing as during my tenure as a coach. But it continues to change the expectations from from parents, from school administrators. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's it, it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to do it right. You have to spend 10, 11, 12 months out of the year. Yeah. Um, you don't see people doing it as long for, um, as much. Um, to really do it right, I think you've got to be involved in the club setting somehow. I mean, you don't necessarily have to coach a club team, but you you have to be engaged and, and, and know what's happening in the club world. Um, Kruger and so, I Kruger and I had that conversation in, in my uh, in my off time. Okay, and and one of the things I, I I did ask I said you know just do you feel like especially like in an Omaha or a Lincoln area. Uh, do do you feel like you almost have to be involved in some way, shape, or form in a in a club program anymore? Um, and and we both kind of thought, yeah, you know, I I think you just have to have that street cred. Maybe would be the the way to say it. I don't know. Um, Absolutely, and, and I think it's imperative. And obviously, the involvement, depending on you know. From year to year, it might be, but you, you have to be connected and, and, and be around and be engaged in the, in the club setting. You just have to. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it, it comes down to visibility, and, and the street cred is a great word, great term for it. And, and no question, it's and, and that's part of the ever changing of the expectations and time demands for high school coaches, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think that's, and it's not just your major sports. I mean, you see that. 
mean, our golf coaches, um, I mean, he's out almost every day in the summer with kids at different tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just supporting, helping and, and, and trying to find different opportunities for him. And, um, so it's just, it's not just a major thing. Um, back to that, one of the things as, as an AD that, that I do and have done for some of our major sports is I kind of have a short list all the time, um, on a note card of, of who, who, who might be some potential candidates if a job does open. And, uh, I, I know a lot of ADs take the approach of, oh, we'll sit back and see who applies. Um, I, I take the approach of, I'm going to reach out to people and say, hey, um, if, if there's somebody that I'm really interested in, I've got to tell them about our school and our mm-hmm. situation and, and why Papillion would be a great fit. And sometimes after having conversations, it, it might not. And, and it, it, but I don't think you can sit back as an AD and, and just say, okay, who's going to apply? Man, it's, we, we got a great school. we got great coaches here great community um you've got to be you've got to actively go out and try to recruit coaches too um i i i I think you that what you were talking about you could do that 15 20 years ago but i don't i I think you have to do it more your way almost again you, you made this comparison like a college route where you've got that piece of paper in your desk or that note card uh and you've got a you got to have that list in mind if something does pop up. I, I think you're you're right on the you hit the nail on the head right there. Exactly, and, and one of the things I find with me when I when I go watch our teams compete, I'll watch other coaches and, and, and the teams we're playing and watch their assistants and and, and maybe if, the, if there's a name out there, I'll, I'll, I'm always observing and watching and, and making some mental notes and, um, and and you can walk away and say, man, that 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 kid impressed me or that he or she or. Or, you know, I, I didn't like that thing. So it always goes back to you, you tell your kids all the time, you never know who's watching and where they're watching and why they're watching. And um, so you always want to do your job at a, at a, at a top-notch uh, level. So um, you, you mentioned Coach Siski earlier. He, he was an assistant on our boys staff, and I had to encourage him into applying. And we had several conversations um, and, and, and talked about it and so forth. And, I knew once he applied that, that, uh, he was going to be our guy, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, for a couple different reasons. But I think that's as an AD, that's, uh, in, in, in not, not only in large schools, but I think, um, I think that's an important piece, um, of the puzzle. Greatest hire in the history of Papillion La Vista high school. <laughs> Greatest hire. Wow. You know, our schools had tons of. Tons well, I'm just saying that that was your greatest hire. Oh, I'm Josh sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when when he listens to this, he'll be he'll be throwing his wall uh, his phone through the wall or wherever yeah, he's at. So exactly, exactly, so, exactly. Um, you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, and I and I know uh, it's it's purely speculation. Um, but but what. Uh, What's been as much as you can tell us, and I and I totally understand if you, if you can't go into a ton of detail on this, but I, I think everybody's kind of wondering. Uh, you're over in Ames. I was over there with you the last couple of days. Uh, the basketball is starting to open up a little bit. Football is going to be able to to uh, start doing stuff on July the first. Volleyball, you know, everything is kind of at least in in our state starting to move in that direction. Now there's other states in the country that are are seeing a resurgence, um, and we're going to learn from that, and this whole thing is so fluid. Uh, but what are, as much as you could tell us, what are some uh, 
some things that you that that everybody's looking at and 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 perhaps some some thoughts on what's going to happen with high school sports when we get to the fall and and even into the winter where a lot of our listeners are going to be thinking about their high school seasons um you know what can, what can you tell us about the conversations that you've had within your district with 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 other districts with other ADs um and and just you know we're not going to hold you to anything here uh but just What's what's the future here? Uh, the the, the short term future over the next two to six months, uh, uh, if 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 nothing changes as far as a uh, a, a uh, what do you call it a, a not an vaccine. antidote a, a vaccine yeah I was thinking antidote like I'm in Indiana Jones or something like that uh, but yeah vaccine yeah so you know obviously I'd be lying if I if I said yeah this is what's going to happen and, and because none of us really do and you know we've really taken the approach at our school kind of a slow cooker approach and and you know when we were allowed to have 25 in the weight room uh, we, we really took time to be really detailed in, in all of our processes from the taking attendance keeping attendance the daily symptom checks the the social distancing um, the entry and exit process those type of things and um, obviously we're, we're really looking forward to the J- July 1st and, and some of our other sports can start doing some more skill specifics and um it, it literally is a one day at a time and, mm-hmm. and i feel really fortunate in our district um, we work real closely with our student services and um, the sarpy county health inspector and and so if we have questions or if a sibling or a parent has has tested positive you know we get all the details and, and run it up the chain and, and they come back with some decisions but our goal as a district, and I think most of the state is at this point in time, is to try to find a to get get some plans created for for to, for the school to begin back in August. And obviously, OPS came out with their plan yesterday. Saw that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a step in the right direction. So some of the conversations we're having um, as ADs, you know, you know, capacity issues. Um, you know, fans, no fans. What's concession stands going to look like? Is there going to be anything different there that we might have to do? Bathrooms, are they open or not? You know, we're kind of getting a test run a little bit with, with the Legion baseball going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think so far so good. Obviously, we have the case with Lincoln Southwest where they had to shut down for a couple weeks. And and so it, it's inevitable someone's going to test positive uh, within a team. And, and so what do those next steps look like? Um, we've got to got to be prepared for that. Um, you know, currently our situation, our coaches um, during workouts are, are are coaching in masks. We have to have masks on when we're interacting with our with our teams. And and you know, our our volleyball coach is going to take a group to a Wayne State team camp here later in July. He'll have to have a mask on while he's coaching. And that mm-hmm. those are some policies that our, our districts put in place. And so getting used to some of those things. And the biggest thing that we're kind of trying to stress amongst our coaches is be flexible, ask questions, be patient, um, do the best we can. You know, some states are talking, um, you know, maybe you just play your, your in-district games and there's no state championships. And um, so ultimately we're kind of waiting uh, for the NSAA to come up with some guidance and, and you know, what, what it looks like in one part of the state might be different than the other. Uh, you know, I think July is going to be a big month and, and to see, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what the, the situations and hospitals look like across our state. But I think we all know um, just from a mental health standpoint, 
Um, and I talked about it earlier, the other half, the education, the activities and athletics are so important in, in, in the growth and development of our, of our students. And so to have some way, shape, or form of, of athletics, I, I think we've got to be prepared and, and do what we can to make that happen. Um, and if that requires us to, to, to change routines and to do business differently, we need to make that happen. We've looked at uh, cashless systems um, for ticketing, you know, trying to limit our number of ticket, ticket takers. A lot of our ticket takers are, are, are sometimes older and yep. just hand, handling money and this and that. So, you know, we're looking at uh, some different programs and whether it's scanners and QR codes to purchase tickets and um, just to try to limit the, the cash transactions. And so things like that we're having conversations about, um, you know, do we have to take daily temps um, when teams enter, um, those type of things. And, and every school district's different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, our school district right now, we're not allowing any outside groups onto our facilities. Mm-hmm. I know some school districts in town, they're, they're renting their football field or baseball fields to select teams and so forth. So everybody's kind of on a different page there. Um, so, again, I think June um, it, it has been a good step in the right direction with getting kids back into the weight room. And, and what people don't understand and, and – you know, how, how many people are involved in this um, with the cleaning and our custodians and our coaches yeah. and um, the communication piece. And it, it, it takes a lot. And, and so to, for us, taking that slow cooker approach and, and just being detailed it has been really good for us. Um, when, we, when we look back and say, okay, what, what did we learn from um, June 1st on? I think we're going to, moving forward to next summer, if we're back to any type of normalcy, I think we may do some things that, that we've done here this past month, um, even moving forward, even if we can have larger groups. Because I think at the end of the day, some of the things we're doing are better for kids. Mm-hmm. In, in your educated guess, do you see us having fall sports? You know, it, it kind of one day I'll say absolutely yes. The next day I'll get I'll listen, watch the news and hear about this college football team. I'll say absolutely no. But here's what I'm telling our coaches and kids: nobody said we're not, at this point in time. Nobody's saying we're not having sports. Mm-hmm. So my I think yes, we'll have fall sports in some type of capacity. Mm-hmm. That's my on June whatever day it is today from Ames, Iowa. I'm counting on it to happen in some sort of fashion. I've kind of told the the way I've thought of it um, is like planning for your retirement. You know, there's no guarantee that you're going to live to collect your retirement, but yes. you have to you have to live and you have to handle your money like you're going to be retired someday and you're going to want to do some things. So you've got you know, there's no guarantee right now that we're going to have fall sports or winter sports or we could go halfway through the fall season and they shut it down for whatever reasons. Uh, but you have to prepare yourself like you're going to have it. And that's kind of the yeah. mindset I've put myself in. Absolutely. Great analogy. I, I, John Cook had a, uh, there was an article about Nebraska volleyball in the paper this morning and he talked about the great ones adjust. And, and I chuckled. Darren Hanson's one of my better friends and I would consider him a mentor. And he, he always talks about the great ones adjust and, and, and that's what we're going to have to do. Be flexible and adjust and, and, uh, We'll make the most of it. And it goes back to we real, we're really trying to stress to our kids about the accountability piece. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they have any symptoms or have a, a headache or wake up with a sore throat, stay home, stay home. 
communicate those things and, and, you know, continue to wash your hands, continue to social distance when you can. So it's, it's those constant reminders with our kids. Hey, if we want to have fall sports, you've got to do your due diligence and do things right. And, um, and take those extra steps and to try to make this happen. And, um, our, our coaches and kids have done a great job thus far. Last question. You, you and I are kind of in the same spot. We, we both have children in college that are crazy enough to follow us into this profession of coaching. Um, you know, what, uh, I, I know what my experiences have been like with my son the last year or so, and, and I'm really looking forward to uh, having a few weekends with him the rest of the summer here coaching some ball. Uh, what, what's it been like for you, uh, just as a dad, to, um, to watch Josie start to get into this and watch her operate kind of for the first time this weekend, uh, that type of thing? Uh, you you got to be, you got you to gotta feel really proud uh, uh, of that, you know, and the, and the, hopefully the influence you've had on her. Yeah, it, it's great. You know, we, we joke all the time. My oldest daughter, um, is going to be starting her, her first year of teaching here this fall. And, and when she told us she wanted to be a teacher or my wife and I, who's also a teacher, always joked and said, okay, don't marry a coach. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it's an, it's an awesome profession and, and we've been very blessed, my wife and I, and, and, uh, be able to work with kids and, 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 and with, with Josie and the coaching part of it, you know, I, I think it's awesome. You know, she, she grew up in the gym. She um, c- grew up coming to my practices and um, she had a really good first year at Wayne state and, and really connected with a couple of female assistants on staff there. And, and as she kind of talked about her vision of wanting to be a grad assistant, maybe coach collegiately, that type of thing. So yeah, I think it's awesome to, to, just uh, influence and, and to have have females, especially as coaches and role models for our for our young female athletes, is, is so critical and instrumental. And uh, so, yeah, definitely proud. And and uh, you know, she, uh, you know, obviously, you, you got to roll up your sleeves after her playing career and, and pay your dues. And uh, mm-hmm. but it, it's a great profession. The the, the game of basketball has, has had such a positive impact on my life and, and done so many good things for me and, and through sport, um, those experiences, as you know, it, it doesn't get any better. So it's, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, I think I told you yesterday after game one, she got in the car and she said, uh, I need a raise. And, uh, I said, yeah, I, I said, get in line. Welcome to the coaching profession right there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, this, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, Casey, uh, Hall and I are really good friends. And, and I, I always told him, you know, uh, man, I have slept really well the last two and a half years. <laughs> I have to, I've just slept really, really well. Uh, I, I had all the dots on my ceiling memorized, I think, in, in, in our bedroom uh, for a long time. And now I haven't seen them for a while. And then uh, I'm crazy enough to jump back into this, but that's okay. So, um, Absolutely. Uh, hey, uh, any social media you want to plug for Papillion La Vista High or anything like that? Yeah, you know, we, we uh, PLHS Activities is is, uh, is our activities account for athletics, and, and we've talked about that, you know, uh, about branding our school a little bit more, and, um, you know, kids are on Instagram, so we're going to dabble with that a little bit more. We've got a, a school Instagram account, but that, that's an area I think we can do a little bit better job of. Uh, we don't want to be over the top. I think sometimes people can do too much and, and, and too much fluff and fake news out there, but... 
that's something that our, our coaches to promote our programs. Um, we do pay attention to that. So, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, there's lots of good follows with our with our coaches and our athletic teams. Uh, we won't give out Josh Siski's Twitter handle just so he doesn't get overwhelmed with followers if he hasn't already. So. Yeah, for, fortunately, one of his assistants kind of takes the lead on that, so we're, we're in pretty good shape with uh, the girls' basketball Twitter account. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, Jason Ryan, the activities director at Papillion La Vista High School. Coach, I hope you had a good time this morning. Yeah, this is this is absolutely awesome. I'm kind of a podcast junkie and, and uh, listen to lots of different podcasts, so I appreciate the opportunity and uh, really thank you for what you're doing to, to, to continue to grow the game and, and to promote this, this sport. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. And I appreciate what you do. Well, yeah, thank you. know, and, and, uh, you know, as we were talking, we were talking on, God, I've lost track of my days now. We were talking on Thursday. And then when I was, when I was, uh, you know, Thursday evening, um, I was like, God, you know, I haven't had a, like a, an AD on, uh, to talk about those angles and that type of thing, you know, you know, let's let's get uh, let's get Jr. on here and 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 let's talk about a lot of these things because we've talked all about the coaching, but like I said, we've never talked about okay, how do I get a job? Yeah, I think those are. I think we had a, a lot of really good ideas for folks to look at. So if you can hold line just a second here uh, as we wrap things up uh, again, we want to thank our sponsor. Uh, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, if you are in need of any chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Like I said, I was just in the office the other day. Feel like a million bucks after that. Feel much better. Uh, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, review. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. And again, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. This has been Jason Ryan, the Activities Director at Papillion La Vista High School. Uh, thank you so much for his time today. Coach, good luck today. I, I expect an undefeated mark for the, for the entire weekend. Uh, coaches, pray for peace, stay safe, and as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.